apologize. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. It's your weekly dose of all things geeky. Class is pain 101. The instructor's Casey Jones. Movies, comic books, movies based on comic books. Excelsior! Video games, toys, TV shows. Professional wrestling. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> All the things you got made fun of for in high school. Come on, you fuckers think that just because a guy reads comics he can't start some shit? So grab your action figures, bag and board your comics, and roll for initiative. It's time to talk nerdy to me. Well, hello there. This is Obi John Kenobi. <laughs> Riding shotgun with uh, Commander Scott. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them Ghostbusters rolling. Rawhide. Slimer. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we are literally leaving the... I forget the name. The... the yeah, the, the family drive-in. The family drive-in in LaGrange, Kentucky, where we just got done watching Ghostbusters, the 2020 Ghostbuster Day special version. With the uh, intro <coughs> from the cast and Ivan Reitman and uh, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife's behind-the-scenes stuff. It was a nice little behind-the-scenes. I don't even know if you could call it a featurette. It wasn't that long. You know? No, it was, no, it was maybe it was ten minutes. Snippet. Yeah. It's cool, though. Lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. So, uh, <laughs> it was awesome getting to see Ghostbusters and Drive-In. Two of my favorite things, the Drive-In and Ghostbusters. The only thing they could have made better was an introduction from Joe Bob Briggs. That would have been good. I would love to see his drive-in totals for Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, but, so here we are, driving home, and like the episode title says, y'all are riding shotgun, along with me. Uh, so we're going to uh, shoot the shit and record it and uh, put it up as an episode, because that's what we do on this show. <coughs> we shoot the shit. Yep. We record it. Yep. And then we put it up as an episode. That's, that's I couldn't have said it better myself. I'm, I'm here to help with these things. <laughs> so, uh, we came from a drive-in. Scott. Yes. Do you have any prior drive-in theater experience, or is this a first for you? This was my second. This is the second time I've ever been to a drive-in theater. Okay. I did not enjoy the first time. At all. Um, a friend of mine talked me into going. We went to see Men in Black. Uh, for the life of me, I cannot remember what the second feature was that day. He said it was great. It's awesome. You've got to go to the drive-in. I'm like, okay, we'll go to the drive-in. So we go to the drive-in, we pull in. And I'm like, okay, so we're here. He's like, yeah, now we got to get out of the car. I'm like, okay. And uh, he said, now we got to go to... Uh, uh, he said, we got to get up on the uh, the hood of the car. And you, you lay back against the windshield. And, you, know, you lounge out. I'm like, uh, okay. So we get up on the hood. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> and we lay back on the windshield, and I'm looking up. And I'm like, I can't see the screen. 
He's like, oh, well, you got to kind of prop up so you can see it. So now I'm like doing abdominal crunches trying to watch this movie. And I'm like, where's the speaker? Oh, no, 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 you listen through the radio. So he had the windows down and the, the radio is on its, you know, through the windows. We have the radio going. So you got your, the, 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 the audio is like this. And I'm like, this, this is a, a shit way to watch a movie. Why are we doing this? <laughs> We, we could be at home on the couch, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, bourbon and stuff. But, no, we, we had to be on the hood of a car listening to bad quality sound. I, I just didn't get it. Fair enough. Yeah. So how was your second drive-in experience? Marginally better. Because <laughs> you weren't sitting on the hood of your I car? I wasn't sitting on the hood of my car. I was sitting in my car. I didn't have the AC on. Uh, uh, because the interior of the car was a lot cooler than the exterior, I had some condensation problems. But uh, it wasn't bad. I had, you know, an L8 and stuff, so. Yeah. Plus, the company, I think, was better this time. Aww. You know? We actually, grit. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You have to, to hang out with grit and everything, so. But no, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It was definitely it was definitely better than the last time. Yeah. Uh, so there was a drive-in in I forget where exactly it was in Iowa. There was a drive-in not far from where I lived in Dubuque, and uh, a friend of mine and his family used to go on the weekends all the time, and I started going with them. And it's fun. I always enjoy the drive-in, but my my least favorite part of going to the drive-in was the actual watching the movie at the drive-in part. Uh, we, we would uh, pack dinner and drive out there because, you know, you pay by the car load. And we'd run around uh, and, and act like hooligans. And, like, the, the thing we did least of all was watch the movie. So I have fond memories of the drive-in, but not necessarily of the movie of the drive-in. And the, uh, the thing that always got me was the, the first movie of the night, you could never see what was going on because it wasn't quite dark enough yet, and the projector wasn't quite that great. Uh, so if it was a dark movie, you really couldn't tell what was going on. And uh, the thing that, uh, the movie that really illustrates that for me, or the one that sticks out in my mind anyway, uh, I forget what the double feature was, but the, the first one we watched was uh, the remake of The Haunting with Liam Neeson. Mm-hmm. And there were parts in that movie that are so dark I could not tell what was happening on screen, and my buddy Eric, who'd already seen the movie, uh, had to sit next to me and narrate what was going on mm-hmm. so I could tell what was happening, because I couldn't see anything, because it was just so dark. Nice. Uh, much better uh, this time around with Ghostbusters. Granted, I know what I'm supposed to be looking at for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, no, the, uh, the driving was nice. The facilities were nice. Uh, I'd love to come back when uh, the pandemic is over and actually go into the con- concession area and look around. Well, I mean, let's be honest. When it comes to Ghostbusters, we didn't actually need to see the screen. We could have just turned the audio on and still been fine. I really think we all should have just do- divided up parts <laughs> and walked down to the screen. <laughs> and Rocky Horror style? Yes. <laughs> uh. <coughs> yes, the, uh, the audience would have appreciated it. Oh, they would have loved it. Everyone loves when you talk during a movie. Especially when you quote the movie during the movie. People oh, yeah, love yeah, that. Love yeah. yeah, they're great with it and everything. And I found out over the years, you know, 
your, your, your wife really loves it when you pause a movie sometimes and you go, now wait a minute. <laughs> how, how, how does that work? I don't, I just watch the damn movie. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah. Although one thing that's, uh, that's fun that Nicole and I do quite a bit when we watch movies or TV uh-huh. is uh, every now and then we, we love to spot um, continuity errors. Ugh. I love spotting continuity errors. You know, like door open, door closed, window broken, now it's not broken type thing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and everything. And, and then you get uh, you get that. And there was one that I found. Actually, I was watching uh, Walking Tall. Now, the, the actual good one, not the piece of shit remake. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, Buford Pusser, mm-hmm. you know, 1970, uh, 1974, something like that, whatever it was that came out. Actual Walking Tall. Um, there's Did you a, hear that? Dwayne Johnson? He's calling you out. I am. It was a piece of shit. Um, but, uh, no, there, there's, a, there's a scene in it where somebody in a fit of rage and grief they they pound their fists on the driver's side window of a car you know and they break the wind they break the window right okay you know they do their, their thing through there um and if you look you can see where they break the sugar glass uh and apparently they had attached the sugar glass to the actual window they didn't roll the inner window down so you can see it boom and then there's just through all the jaggedness, there's a perfectly good window right there that they're still meeting on. It was uh, funny as shit. Love that one. But yeah, as we're watching movies and stuff, if one of us spots something, you know, we'll be like, oh, oh, and we'll get the remote and run it mm-hmm. back. And the other one's like, oh, what'd you see? Like, hang on. Okay, now watch that. Yeah, see, it's gone now. Because <laughs> we like that. It's fun. I hate people who point out continuity errors. Now, granted, there are some that are just like, how did you guys ever let that go through? Like, if it's so glaringly obvious it takes you out of the movie, it, it needs to be addressed. But I'm of the opinion that if you're if you're looking for continuity errors, uh, the movie's already failed you. You're already bored enough that you're looking for shit like, what hand did they pick up the phone with? Or what food is Brad Pitt eating in this scene? No. Does it match the next shot? Oh, no, no. <laughs> See? He had a glass of shrimp in the last shot, and now it's a bowl. Oh. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if we're watching movies for the first time or whatever, we're not watching for continuity errors. It's stuff, it's, if it's things we've seen before, you know, or whatever, or, you know, something. If we just happen to see it, we, we, we like finding them. Uh, it's fun. We, we don't actually try to find them. It's just if you happen to see something and you need to run it back for uh, confirmation, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'll accept that. So sticking with our sort of theme for the episode, uh, which is the drive-in. Okay. So as we've already kind of hinted at, most drive-ins typically book a double feature. So with that in mind, Scott. Yes. What is your, or, or what are some of, uh, if you were in charge of the drive-in, what double features would you be booking? Oh, good lord. I'll start out. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so, my was one of my dream double bookings, because I love these movies separately, uh, but together they're awesome, because they're cut from the same cloth. 
the Rocketeer. Okay. And the uh, uh, the Phantom with Billy Zane. Wow, that's yeah. They're both nineteen thirties pulp yeah, comic. Yeah, this, this pulp thing going yep. on there. Yeah. You could even go crazy and make a triple feature and throw in the shadow. See, I would go with that. I would just I would cut out the Phantom and just go straight with the shadow because I'm not a fan of the Phantom with Billy Zane. Yeah. I think Phantom's a more fun movie than Shadow. I like Shadow. I like them both. I just uh, having recently rewatched the Shadow. I think the Phantom is much more yeah, fun. But he dual wields 45. Man. They both do. Yeah, but Shadow's that was the thing in the 40s. Is <laughs> All you needed to fight crime was a mask and dual 45s, and you were good to go. Exactly. It was awesome. Now, one thing I think would be funny because you know I have a very dark and twisted sense of humor. You know, you could show. You, you, you could show um, um, uh, Marley and me, oh, God. and then up right after it to see who, how many of the audience is actually going to make it through the end of Marley and me and the beginning of up without killing themselves. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> That's. That's a good double feature there. If you can survive the end of Marley and me going into the beginning of Up, it's like, yo. So you're just mad at your audience. <laughs> I don't see it as mad. I, I, I see it as shock therapy. Oh, okay. You know, I'm trying okay. to help them. Right. You okay. know, trying to help we'll me help that. you. Help me help you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, along those same lines, another double feature that I always love because I feel, again, these are two movies that are very much cut from the same cloth. They're 90s action movies with, at the time, big name stars that harken back to some old school uh, swashbuckling action films. Uh, I would love to see a booking of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves mm-hmm. and Disney's The Three Musketeers. Oh, Three Musketeers. God, I love that movie. That movie is perfection. Except for Chris O'Donnell. Absolute perfection. Start to finish, not a single error in that entire movie. Nothing. Not a single... Not one. Except for Chris O'Donnell. Not but, even you know. Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> not even... Any faults you might find with Chris O'Donnell are completely uh, erased by Tim Curry just eating the scenery as, as a villain. He does. <laughs> And <laughs> the triple whammy of uh, Charlie Sheen as the pious uh, uh, Athos. Uh, Aramis. Excuse me, of Aramis. Uh, Jeff Bauer, Kiefer Sutherland, as the super somber and uh, broody <laughs> Athos. Yeah, he... And then, of course, in the role of his career <laughs> as Porthos the pirate, Oliver Platt, just fucking kills every scene he's in that movie. You know, in all honesty, if you'd taken, if you, you know, looked at those three actors before they did that movie, uh-huh. you'd never guess they would have that kind of on-screen chemistry. Nope. Ever. But they do. Um, and, I mean, um, yeah, you've got Kiefer Sola basically being goth hipster before goth hipster was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> But it worked. It worked yeah. for you. It was, it was, it was great. It I love awesome. <laughs> when you watched that uh, last week. And it got to the scene where, where he, um, 
Aramis's gear or uh, Ethos is giving his his backstory of the uh, the story of the the young nobleman who met the woman and fell in love, and he's like halfway the story when he's just like, okay, so this is about him, right? <laughs> Spoilers. The Florida Yeah, that was before she made me turn it off because I wouldn't quit quoting the movie. It's a very quotable movie. It's an infinitely quotable movie. I love that movie. And again, there are about 70% of the quotes from that movie are all of her plot quotes because he's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, uh, the Cardinal. You doing a date? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like some champagne? Porthos, we're in the middle of the chase. Ah, you're right. Something red. Love that. The whole thing is great. But yeah, that's, uh, and I, I I didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure Prince of Thieves came first. It was a big hit. And for a while, you had a lot of studios looking to brush off similar kind of movies because, again, double check my IMDb timeline on this, but I'm pretty sure it was Prince of Thieves, Three Musketeers, and then directly into uh, The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas, uh, which are all, again, very much yeah, cut from the Mask same cloth. Mask of Zorro is just a beautiful movie, too. The, I love that movie. I don't know what happened with the second one, but the first one, oh. <laughs> too much time between sequels. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. What about going back to the whole double feature yes. thing? What about Top Gun Okay. and Iron Eagle? Perfect. That would be a good one. 1980s uh, fighter jet action. Yeah. Hard, it's, can't be that. It's like Top Gun uh-huh. and Kmart Top Gun. <laughs> okay, that's not really fair. <laughs> Although, so here's the, the, and something very important. <clears throat> Which one do you roll first? Oh, uh, Top Gun. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you roll Top Gun first. Okay. Yeah. Because you weed out the lightweights, you know with Top Gun. That's going to be your draw. You know, your hardcore people, the ones that stay for the double feature, they deserve Iron Eagle. They deserve Lou Gossett Jr. Okay. Well, and I bring that up because uh, the, oh gosh, it was like early 2000s movie uh, from Tarantino and Rodriguez Grindhouse, which was meant to harken back to the old drive-in 70s Grindhouse theater stuff. Yeah. It was a double feature. And uh, we've discussed on this show, throughout the history of the show, Koran, um, and, and I think very correctly, says that part of what hurt Grindhouse's box office uh, was they put the movies in the wrong order. Okay. And so they, the two films featured in Grindhouse are Planet Terror from Robert Rodriguez, which is a very... 70s love letter um, exploitation movie that's about zombies. Lots of over-the-top crazy action and sex appeal and just, just, just Robert Rodriguez completely unhinged. And then the other one is Death Proof, which is a slow burn. It is is about uh, a hit a stuntman who basically it's a slasher movie only the, the killer uses his car instead of a, a knife or something. Uh, it's basically what it's about. It, 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 it's just uh, stuntman Mike played by Kurt Russell stalking and killing two different sets of, of female protagonists. Problem with it is they put Planet Terror first, which is the rollicking roller coaster. 
And then you had a bunch of trailers for fake movies in between them to transition. And then Death Proof, which is, again, a very, very slow burn. If you would have flipped the order of those, you would have started out slow, then ramped up to the big finish of Death Proof, then had your random trailers, and then hit the roller coaster ride of um, uh, Planetaire. Hmm. The way it was, you have a roller coaster, your trailers, and then slow. Yeah, so you're already like an hour 45 in, and now we are slow, starting to crawl back up again. I think you'll lose the audience a little bit. So yeah, the order of the, of the double feature, very important factor, because you've got to look at the, 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 low, the highs and lows of each movie, and like you said, what's your draw, and, and what's there for the hardcore folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, you know, the, tonight we saw Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters started around 9.30-ish. Yeah. So <laughs> it's now currently 11.55. It's almost midnight. So given that kind of time frame, if you're booking your your uh, drive-in, your hardcore audience is who's going to stick around for that second feature. So I think you get a little more leeway with that second movie because you can show a little more yeah. because it is a Wednesday night at midnight. Yeah. And who's going to stick around for that? Yeah, the hardcore people. Yeah. People with the kids are probably gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me to another good double feature that I would do for a drive-in. Okay. Yeah, first first run, Gumball Rally. Okay. Great movie. Followed by the original with Sylvester Stallone in his, I think, debut, Death Race 2000. Ooh. With David Carradine. Yes. Love that movie. Yeah, you, got, you definitely got to do original Death Race. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the remakes are pretty, varying degrees are terrible. I don't think I saw the one with, uh, with Jason Statham. Jason's, yeah, that one was totally neutered. It was, it was the, uh, it wasn't even really Death Race. It was, it was, it's in a prison. Uh, like, it was, it was, clearly they recognized that Death Race was enough of a name that we could sell that, but it was Death Race through the filter of a, uh, an actual studio. It wasn't a... Here's your budget, here's your release date, go get it made, Roger Corman kind of thing. Which is what the original was. Kind of. And then they did a pseudo sequel remake called Death Race. I think it was Death Race 3000. Death Race 3000. That has Mando yeah. um, Bennett yeah. playing the role of Frankenstein. Yeah. And it's, it's a Roger Corman production, so it feels a bit more akin to the original, but it's it can't hold a candle to it. No, no, it can't. I mean, well, I mean first of all, uh, as ridiculous of a premise and as ridiculous of a concept for an anti-hero as Frankenstein is, David Carradine somehow manages to pull it off. Yep. You know. Uh, and, of course, Sylvester Stallone is Tommy Gunn. Yeah, I, I believe so. His car had huge, huge freaking Tommy guns right on the front. Yep. That would be cool. Now that, that's one I would like to see Joe Bob do. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see Joe Bob do Death Race 2000. That'd be great. So, yeah, that would be a good double feature, I think. I also wouldn't mind. I would actually go. I would love to see uh, Rocky Horror uh -huh. and uh, Shock Treatment. 
I am unfamiliar with Shock Treatment. Really? The sequel? Yeah. Nope. Did not know that there was a sequel to uh, Rocky Horror? I've never seen Rocky Horror. You've never seen Rocky Horror? Yeah. Oh, my dear Lord, we've got to run into that. Keep in mind, not a fan of musicals. Yeah, but this is okay because it's Rocky Horror. That's the only keeps telling me, but, uh, okay. Yeah, we need to, we need to do, uh, we need to do Rocky Horror somebody with the, uh, I thought, now, Nicole and I went to a Rocky Horror showing at the Kentucky one night, and I thought you went with us. That was not me. Huh, I forget who it was then. It was yeah. the other John. It was the other John? Yeah. Yeah, Rocky Horror. <laughs> Shock treatment, not that great. That's why it would be your second run. But okay. It definitely didn't have the appeal, the cult appeal that Rocky Horror had. Was good. Now, of course, I'm me, so I would do an entire summer of underwater horror movies. Okay. I love underwater horror movies. But if I only get one night for underwater horror movies, my go-to double feature is going to have to be Leviathan and Deep Rising. I don't think I've seen Deep Rising. Leviathan is the one with Ernie Hudson, right? Leviathan has Ernie Hudson and Peter Weller. Yes. And it is Alien Underwater. Yes. It is. It came out the same summer as Deep Star 6 and The Abyss. That was the summer of underwater uh, pseudo-horror movies. Wow. Uh, I think there were two others that I can't remember the name of that all came out within that same summer. Or within that same year, I guess I should say. No, necessarily the same summer. Um... But yes, Leviathan is, it's an underwater platform, I think it's drilling for oil or something, I don't know. Um, but they stumble across the, a, a Russian submarine called the Leviathan, the crew is all dead, and there's something on board the ship that they accidentally bring back in with them. Uh, and it's, it's a, again, it's alien underwater with a crazy sea monster. Uh, but it's got a great cast. It's got amazing production design from, I believe, Ron Cobb, who did Alien and a ton of other movies. Um, it's definitely a B-horror movie, but it's a great B-horror movie. Yeah. It has, has one of my favorite Ernie Hudson lines and moments of all time. Okay. It's in Leviathan. Because it has... Because uh, the... Uh, uh, the evil corporate lady is yes. uh, the same one that plays the evil Lynn, right? Yes, and I cannot remember her name. Yes. Uh, yeah, because at one point they get to the communications thing and they they, they call them because they're trying to get an extraction. You know, yeah. Come get them, and of course, she has no intention of actually coming to get them. But she's trying to calm them down. <laughs> she says, "I realize you must have gone through hell." <laughs> Ernie Hudson says, "Gone." Pinch, we're still here. <laughs> Ernie Hudson's great in that movie. Uh, uh, and, and, and slight spoiler, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, the only gripe I have with that entire movie is Ernie Hudson. <laughs> You're waiting for him to go the whole movie. And he makes it the whole movie until the last two minutes when out of nowhere... The creature pops back up again and takes Ernie Hudson. And you're like, what the fuck? Oh. Just out of nowhere, because they wanted that last second uh, scare. Or Ernie. Yeah, it's bullshit. But uh, no, Deep Rising is a criminally underrated... I, don't know, I can't even really call it a horror movie. It, it's a sci-fi action movie. It's from Stephen Summers, who did The Mummy and Mummy Returns. Uh, but it was one of his first movies. Very low budget. 
It has Treat Williams as your action hero star. It has Famke Jensen as the uh, the the uh, thief love interest. It's a uh, it's set on a cruise ship. That Treat Williams is a mercenary who's hired to take a bunch of goons because they're going to go rob this cruise ship. What they don't know is uh, the cruise ship is attacked by something. So when they get there, everyone's gone. And they, they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. And these sea monsters start attacking these, these tentacled sea monsters start attacking them. Uh, so they're they're uh, trying to figure out what happened, trying to fight these sea monsters off. Uh, Thomka Jensen plays a, a pickpocket thief who's on the cruise ship. Uh, great cast, super fun. It's it's thick army of darkness as far as tone as, as tone goes. You're in the ballpark. It never takes itself too seriously. It's just there to have fun. Tree Williams is fantastic the whole time. Um, uh, Kevin O'Connor, or yeah, Kevin J. O'Connor, who plays Benny in the Mummy, hey. is is the sidekick character to Tree Williams in this one. It's great. Uh, it also has one of the coolest on-screen fake guns ever invented, the Chinese M1L1 triple pulse assault rifle. Okay. Which is a mini uh, Gatling gun. It's it's not at all real, uh, but it is one of the coolest fake movie guns I've ever seen. It's been recycled in lots of other movies just because it's so fucking cool. Um, we'll have to watch it sometime. It's fantastic. But uh, and I would do them in that order because. Uh, Leviathan is your, again, slower-paced, sort of more horror, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it builds to a big climax, and then coming off that, you jump right into Deep Rising, which is a uh, much more fast-paced action movie. Cool. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've seen either, either of those movies, actually. You've seen Leviathan? Yeah, i seen Leviathan. Yeah. I mean, uh, Deep Star... Uh, Deep Star Six. Yeah, Deep Star Six. And Leviathan, The Abyss. I've seen The Abyss. Okay. Because that's the one that uh, gave birth to the whole era of the internet rumor that the the, the hyper oxygenated stuff is real. <laughs> sure it is, Scott. Yes, there's a liquid you can breathe and not drown. Yes, guys, go go try that. Go, yeah. go find they, that. They use it on a mouse. Yeah, they use it on a mouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mouse is fine. That's all. Swear. Uh, so what about what about Thirteen Ghosts? Oh, good. Original or remake? Oh, the remake. Okay, okay. Because I like the remake. Not goats, goats. <laughs> no, the, the 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 remake. The yeah. Matthew Lillard, right? Yeah. Matthew Lillard and um, um, oh God, Monk. I can't think of his name. Uh, now. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Thirteen Ghosts, and then Ghost Ship. Ooh. Good pick. See, that was Ghost Ship is one of those like you should not be this good kind exactly. of movies. Yeah. I love that movie. That's a great movie. I mean, just that was it. Is it the opening scene? Yes. Where, where everything? Yes. Yeah. Damn. Uh, fantastic me. opening sequence. I, the the rest of the movie might uh, doesn't quite live up to that, but uh, it, it, it definitely hits a. It kind of drops off and hits a kind of a lull and just keep it maintains that pace. It's good. No, it's great. It's, yeah. it's it's one of those things you you see. Well, I would say you see at the video store, but now you, when you're <laughs> scrolling across whatever platform you're streaming, 
it's one of those like you know generic title generic cover uh cast you probably don't really know anyone from yep. and you're like uh but you put again you watch it yeah way better than it uh should be that's a good double feature i'd watch that i'd stick around for both of those that would be a good one there's a popo there's a popo oh show hopefully i'm not speeding i don't think we're okay he hasn't flipped on the lights to start chasing us yet. No, not yet. I hate to have to bring his watch. <laughs> I bet he's got squads. Yep. State, State County, County Municipal Offender Data, data System. Squads. If you don't know what squads means, you're not a Blues Brothers fan. Left lane. That's west. We went east, right? Think other good double features, but yeah, I love uh, I love pairing up movies that like they you know they're not part of the same franchise, yeah. but they've got some kind of connective thing, or they're they're like say cut from the same cloth or stuff you wouldn't necessarily put together. I think those are fun. Because <coughs> tonight's double feature was Ghostbusters, the '84 original. And Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, it was Welcome to the Jungle? Was it? No, was no, it? No, I'm sorry. It was Jumanji. No, no, no. It was not the original Jumanji. It wasn't. No. Oh. Uh, it, it, there was, the confusion was, was it the first Jumanji sequel with The Rock or the second Jumanji sequel with The Rock? Well. But no, it was not the original. I thought it was the original. Uh, I've not seen either of the, the new Jumanji movies. The first one, uh, Welcome to the Jungle, is pretty good. It's uh, it's a fun video game movie. Yeah. The second one is just more of the same. Yeah. It has a cool stinger uh, at the end. We're like, okay, you could maybe build something off that. Like, if they do a third one, I won't be surprised because they kind of left themselves somewhere to go mm-hmm. with the third one. But the second one is just very much meh. Yeah. So, same shtick kind of just, you know, repeat. Rehashed. Yeah. Oh, well, it happens. You know, like the, the John Wick movies. Okay. No, so I'm just, I'm just uh, trying to come up with more double features. I was quite surprised at myself for actually remembering our way back out of there. Yeah, I was too. <laughs> Good job, Scott. Uh, okay, okay, I got one. I got one. All right, all right, go ahead. You start with the 1980s classic, the, the archetypal 80s action movie, Commando, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You follow that up. Rambo First Blood Part 2. Hmm. Interesting. Why First Blood Part 2? Because I enjoy First Blood, yeah. but First Blood, great as it is, not really the archetypal 80s action movie. It's, it's, it's still very much a drama. It's still very much character-driven. It it's is. more of a thriller than an action movie. 
by the time you get to Rambo First Blood Part 2, you have gone full 80s action. It is all about the muscle, the guns, and the body count. This is true. Uh, and, and for some odd reason, his ability to uh, to, to fire a, a Russian-made RPG inside an enclosed cockpit in a helicopter and not fry anybody yes. in the back of the... And that's why it's perfect with Commando, because the only movie where your main star gets away with more shit than Rambo First Blood Part <laughs> 2 is Commando, where nothing can touch Arnold ever. Yep. Uh, but then I, Commando, <coughs> it's starting to get some love again, but I feel like for a very long time it was a very underrated Arnold movie, because it's, it's very generic. But it was the first time Arnold's got to kind of show his personality. And it is, like, if you're trying to boil down 80s action movies to, like, one kind of, uh, 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 prototype, uh, blueprint of here's what to follow, it's Commando. Every cliche is in there, like, the, the gearing up before your big fight scene the impossibly large explosions. Again, it's all about the muscles, the guns, and the, the, the body count. And he racks up a stupid body count in that movie. It's got stupid, quippy one-liners. <laughs> uh, I, I eat green berets for breakfast. Like, it, it's, was it's, it, uh, was, a, was Alyssa Milano his daughter in that? Yes. That's what I thought. Yes. Let off some steam, Bennett. Like, it's got all the stupid shit you love. Um, and then you follow that up with uh, arguably that same kind of movie, but a few years later, we've had a chance to kind of perfect the formula a little bit. Rambo First Love Part Two. See, now talking about you know Commando being the first time Arnold kind of really got to be Arnold. Yeah, makes me want to pair uh, Hercules in New York up with something now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. That's just a fun romp through the city, isn't it? Starring Arnold Strong. Arnold Strong, with his voice dubbed and everything. Because he's never going to make it in Hollywood with a name like Schwarzenegger. Nope, never happened. It's uh, great. I don't know what to pair it with, though. It'd be the second run, but I don't know what to pair it with. Got it. You partner it. It's a Hercules double feature. You partner it with the, I forget what exactly what it's called, but the Lou Ferrigno, uh, uh, Clash of the Titans-ish Hercules, where he fights, like, the robot Cyclops. I don't think I've seen this. Oh, man. It's terrible, but it's great. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it's that It's total one. Roger Corbin cheese fest. <laughs> they might just be called Hercules. I, I forget what the, the title is. It's great. Yeah, MST3K, I'm pretty sure, is that version of it. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Because, again, it's Lou Ferrigno. I'm pretty sure he's dubbed the whole time. Uh, just doing crazy over-the-top action stuff. He punches something into outer space. I forget oh, what it nice. is. Nice. Now, you know, if you're doing Lou Ferrigno, you could, in today's day and age, you could put up uh, uh, oh, what was it? The uh, Incredible Hulk Daredevil movie, Trial of the Incredible Hulk. And then the one with him and Thor. And just not tell people which movies you're showing. Just put the titles up. See how many people 
show up expecting MCU movies oh, they've never seen before. Man. That would be awesome. The Daredevil one's not terrible, but that Thor Maybe. one is god-awful. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it hurts. It is pretty bad. It hurts. I forget what that was called. So do I. Sorry, we've been up for a while. We're I'm, I'm, I'm old and it's really far past my bedtime. It is. It is. Uh, I don't know what else I would show. Part of me really wants to show the mummy, but I don't know what I'd pair it with. The Brendan Fraser mummy? Yeah. First of all, a good pick because that's a fantastic movie. That is a great movie. Got it. Oh, got it. What do you got? Here's your double feature. Start with Brendan Fraser, The Mummy, because everyone loves that movie. Yeah. It's a great action adventure. You can bring the whole family to it. And then, your second show, a little bit later, you get in a hardcore crowd. They're both plays on classic Universal monsters. You know where I'm already going with Monster Squad. No. The Mummy and the Monster Squad. I can see it. I feel like Monster Squad would be better paired with something else, though. Okay. I don't know. The Goonies and the Monster Squad. That would be good. That would be a good double Definitely feature. start with the Goonies on that one. Yeah. That would be a good double feature. It's the Kids with Bikes double feature. <laughs> 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 uh, well, okay, it's not a good movie, but it fits thematically. You do The Mummy and then Van Helsing. Uh, you know what? When I watched the, we were talking about the Hugh Jackman, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when I watched Van Helsing, literally that movie just completely took me out of my, my, I was never, it broke my suspension of disbelief, like act one opening scene. When he whips out a fully automatic crossbow. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> what? How does it work? How is it yep. recocking itself? I don't. I didn't get it, and I'm like, I don't. I don't like. There's it. so much wrong with that movie. And man, when that movie was coming out, I was like its biggest supporter because I loved the Mummy. Uh, I wasn't huge on Mummy Returns, but people liked it, so I was like, whatever. And it was, it was. Because they're both directed by Stephen Summers. And it was like, great, they're Universal's giving him the keys to all the classic horror uh, characters now. And he's he's getting he's doing them all in one movie. And I still think it's a really cool way to come into that universe of, rather than following you know Dracula or someone, we follow Van Helsing. And, and that way, because you can bring in the Wolfman and Dracula and Frankenstein and tie them all in one movie. And they even cram in... Um, uh, Jekyll and Hyde in the sort of bondish uh, soft open. So like on paper I was totally in for this movie. And then you watch it and it starts out great. The first like 10 minutes where they, it's, it's it's the old universal black and white logo yeah. and it's the villagers and the windmill and it's, it's, it's evoking straight classic 
uh, Universal Horror Monster stuff. And then we get to the London job, where he's battling Jekyll and Hyde, and it gets a little wonky, but okay, it's, it's kind of a Bond soft open. He's in the middle of a job. Okay, okay. And then you find out he, he works for the church, who were basically this world's version of MI6. Yeah. And he's got his own cue, and uh, he doesn't remember his past. And, like, they took the character of Van Helsing, and they didn't even get his fucking name right. His name was Abraham Van Helsing. Except in this movie, he's Gabriel Van Helsing. Like, what the fuck? Gabriel sounds more church-like, <laughs> invoking the name of the Archangel. It's, it's, it is Van Helsing in name only. It's clearly like they were trying to do way too many things at once. It's None a, of them really worked. It's a steampunk mashup oh, God, of yeah. Wolverine and, and James Bond. And it's terrible. And so it's, much it's, bad it's CGI. Bad. Uh, you're, you're, cause, cause the character of Van Helsing is awesome in Dracula, and taking that character and making him sort of a monster hunter in general could and should work. Yep. But they built all this unnecessary crap around the character. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Van Helsing, if you did Van Helsing, Van Helsing needs to be just Van Helsing. Don't don't add the steampunk stuff to it. Go go straight, low key. You know, a good mystery. I mean, good good mystery drama. You know, don't ever be an action star because because Van Helsing is a scholar. He, he, he does research and everything. I'm fine with actioning him up a little bit. I'm fine with that. Uh, but no, it's and there's rumors that they may be that Universal might be in some uh, some step of trying to circle back around and take a second shot at that kind of uh, uh, that uh, property. I forgot what I was saying. Happy to saying it. Now, going off of Dracula. Yes. What about Dracula? Uh, Bram, Stoker, Bram Stoker's Dracula. With, the uh, Coppola movie? Yeah. Okay. The Coppola movie. Great movie. movie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, for your double feature, Dracula 2000. I like Dracula 2000. I appreciate Dracula 2000. It's not for everybody. It has not aged well. That's why it's your second feature. I like where you're going. I'm going to suggest the switcheroo, though. All because um, again, I'm going with the cut from the same cloth. So Bram Stoker's Dracula, directed by Coppola, uh, it, it, it's, it was the first attempt to tell, to faithfully adapt the book the, the into a movie. Yeah, yeah. Because the original Bela Lugosi is not an adaptation of the novel, it's an adaptation of the stage play, which was an adaptation of the novel. So the original is an adaptation of an adaptation. Yeah. Following that, we got another universal blood horror monster that was again, okay, let's try to do a straight adaptation of the novel itself. So paired Bram Stoker's Dracula directed by Francisca uh, Cop yeah, yeah, Coppola, yeah, Coppola with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein directed by Kenneth Branagh. Who starring... Plays, who plays the monster? That is um, um, Robert De Niro as the monster. Yes. I've only seen that like once. It is great. If you're a fan of the novel. Because that's a, it was an attempt to do it. It's got Kenneth Branagh as Dr. Frankenstein. It has um, um, Robert De Niro as the creature. And Helena Bottom Carter 
as Victor's fiance, his name I can't remember right now. Uh, but it's got a great cast. And it's, it's very true to the novel. The creature can speak, he's articulate, uh, it's... But, but it's, in, in that movie, do they, do they still use the lightning stuff to, to animate the creature? Yes. Because the lightning aspect, as far as I know, is not in the novel. It is not. But it's become such a part of the character it that is. they had to kind of... It, it, it's become kind they of... They had to pay homage yeah, to it, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, I think he uses electric eels. Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. It's been a long time. I can't remember if there's lightning or not. Uh, but he uses electricity. Yes. Because uh, in the book, if I remember correctly, he doesn't use electricity to animate the corpse. He, he uses, and I forget what they call it, basically, for, for lack of a better term, magic science. Yeah. That I don't think is ever really disclosed in detail <laughs> in, in, in the novel. They use... To Life crystals. This <laughs> is not written Sorry. by the current track and track writers. <laughs> That's a deep cut joke. So, but but yeah, in the novel he doesn't really use electricity. He uses, like I said, magic science, and I forget the term that Mary Shelley used. Um, but uh, uh, but they uh, to animate dead tissue, like like he, the science that he uses. The, the, the technique that he uses, he, he can animate a dead hand and it would move and everything like that, even without a brain attached to it yet. It would still do its thing. Right. Uh, and actually, I just found out here recently, I, I was doing a rabbit hole dive on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, that she wrote that because her and her fiance or husband, I can't remember if they were married at the time, they were traveling around Europe. Yep. And course she had they, they had visited castle frankenstein and there actually was a, a scholar there that that you know did you know, research and stuff and things i don't know if he's an actual doctor but but then later her and her husband uh were staying with lord byron yep and they had a they had a writing contest to see who could write the best horror story and yep. that's where it was born I believe it's the opening of The Bride of Frankenstein that actually features that exact scenario. Oh, really? Uh, I think it's the opening for Bride of Frankenstein, uh, where it has uh, Mary and her husband and their friends coming up with the story, and that's the intro to yeah. the end. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. It's Bride of Frankenstein. All righty, then. I need to go back and watch that again. Actually, I'd like to watch both of those again. It's been forever since I've seen it. Because I'm, I'm sorry, but Gary Oldman has got to be one of the most versatile actors yep. in recent memory. Man's got range. It does. I remember, I remember last time I went to Texas on the flight down to San Antonio, I watched Churchill. Oh, good one. I've watched Churchill, of course, because I mean I love history and I love biopics and everything. It was good. It was very Wait, good. Churchill or Finest Hours? No, no, Churchill. Okay. Because Churchill did great, and it actually did a better job of, uh, of of telling the story of Dunkirk than fucking Dunkirk did. But at the end of that movie, I was watching the credits, and of course it comes up with Gary Oldman. I'm like, Gary Oldman? Where the fuck was Gary Oldman in that movie? <laughs> 
like, shit, it was damn Churchill. I didn't know. I just saw Churchill. Love Carriol. <laughs> if you can go from playing Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zerg in Fifth Element <laughs> to playing Winston Churchill. Exactly. To playing yeah. Commissioner Gordon. Uh, yeah, no, he's 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 fantastic in whatever you put him in. He is, he is beautiful. Sirius Black, one of my favorite Harry Potter characters. Sirius Black, he does a great job of Sirius Black on on screen. I'm still so pissed at what happens to Sirius Black in, in, Me too. in, in those stories. Um, uh, but uh, uh, also, if you've never seen it, you need to go find a copy of uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. The book, or is there a particular adaptation? The one with Gary Oldman. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't know there was a book. Or the... Sorry, the play. Is it a play? Not the, I, don't, I don't know. It might be. It's, well, it's, it's based off... I thought off, it started as a play. It's based off, based off of Hamlet. Yes, I know, but I thought... But, specifically, Rosencrantz and Gillis were dead. I thought that started as his play. That I don't know. I've okay. only ever seen the movie with Gary Oldman. Okay. Yeah. That's a movie you got to watch two or three times. It's very meta. It is very meta. <laughs> like, literally, that's kind of the whole thing of it. Yeah. Just, you know... Someone hit a skunk. Was that what that is? Yeah. That's gotta be funny. <coughs> oh, yeah. A couple features are fun. They are. And I love, I love again coming up with, with uh, random pairings, it, things you uh, wouldn't necessarily associate together. It's fun. Yes. Okay. Glad we got that cleared up. We established that. Knock that off. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, see, now that gets me thinking about, uh, uh, that gets me thinking about uh, Shakespeare movies and stuff. And for a Shakespeare double feature, I would probably do uh, uh, DiCaprio's Romeo and Juliet. So I love that movie. Uh, and then follow that up with uh, Stanley Tucci in uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. Not bad. Uh, I'll see your Shakespeare double feature. And I'll raise you and the only theme between these two are their John's favorite Shakespeare plays. Uh, the Kenneth Branagh Henry V. Okay. And the Ian McKellen Richard III. I've never seen either of those. I think it's Richard III. Yes. Uh, both fantastic. Uh, so Henry V is, is very... 
random Shakespeare play is one of his histories, which are never quite as popular, but it's very well known for one specific speech, and that is the St. Crispin's Day speech, okay. which is better known as the Band of Brothers speech, Band because Brothers. Sort of the line, we see you, we have you, we Band of Brothers, comes from. Uh, there's another famous adaptation of it made by Laurence Olivier during World War II, as a nice propaganda piece to get the British gung-ho, because it, again, it's another, the Saint, Battle of St. Christmas Day was a, you know, the British were out number three to one, but they fought against overwhelming odds to succeed, so you can see why that would appeal to the British during World War II, but uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh's version was from the mid-90s, so the battle scenes are a lot more gritty, brave-hearty, uh, but again, anytime Kenneth Branagh is doing Shakespeare, it's going to be great because he's, he's great with the material. Uh, and I just happen to love, I, I don't know why, but uh, Henry V, which is, of all the Shakespeare read, the one I love the most, mostly because it's, it's a war movie, basically. Uh, like I said, I've, I've never seen either of those. I have to watch those. And I didn't know about the Ian McKellen one until I saw it in, uh, I took a class in college, it was an adaptation, film adaptation. Yeah. Uh, and the first time I took it, we spent half the class looking at Stanley Kubrick, and the other half looking at, um, uh, wow, my mind is blank, Hitchcock. Uh, because they both mostly did adaptations of novels. And then my teacher offered it the next year, and she changed it up completely. It was still film adaptation, <clears throat> but it was specifically Shakespeare adaptations for the entire semester. So she let me take the class twice. That's good. Um, but the uh, my horse, my her, a horse, a horse, a kingdom from a horse's speech. Uh, he gives that while he's trying to get away, and his jeep has broken down. Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, speaking of Ian McClellan movies, a really good Ian McClellan movie that gets overlooked a lot. Uh, you know, I've never really heard anyone talk about it, but it's a great movie, Act Pupil. That is a wonderful movie. That's, uh, it's good. It's dark. <laughs> Very dark. And the way it ends, too, that, that whole scene at the end with the... Uh, the kid and uh, David Schwimmer. Yeah. You know, it's just like shit. Um, speaking of uh, video stores, which I know you love video store stories. I do love a video store. Uh, and video store stories. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when that movie came out, uh, I was down at the local video store visiting a friend that worked there, just hanging out. And uh, a gentleman came in wanting to know if they had uh, a copy of Apartment People. <laughs> She's like, it's actually apt Pupil, so yes, it's right over here in the new release section. It's uh, great. That's the same place I walked in there one day uh, to visit uh, my friend. Patty was her name. And, uh, uh, one of the other girls that worked there, I think her name was Chastity. 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 Sure. Anyway, she wa I walk in and she's like, oh, Scott, I'm glad you're here. You're smart. And That's always a good way to start okay. out. 
She says, do you know anything about John Sebastian Bach? Just kind of looked at her and I'm like, you mean Johann Sebastian Bach? And she's like, no, John. She holds up this book that she has on him and just get the title of names right there. It's like C-J-O-H-A-A-N-N, however you pronounce it. I'm like, yeah, that's pronounced Johan. <laughs> and she's like, really? Wow, glad I talked to you. I have an oral report due on this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, and to this day, I can't. If I see it in print, I read John Sebastian Bach. I can't. I can't not see can't it. Can't see it now. Yeah, exactly. I'm like wow. Okay. Yeah. My buddy worked at a Blockbuster over the summer for a couple of years, and he worked there when Pan's Labyrinth came out. And this was in Owensboro. He had more people return to that movie because they had subtitles. <laughs> uh, and one guy specifically said, I didn't rent a movie to read no Mexican. Read no Mexican? <laughs> okay. So she was like, well, it says here on the copy has you know, the subtitle. It says it right here on the case. It's right there. Because the guy wanted his money back because it had subtitles. Sorry. You should have known going in. We didn't hold anything back from you, sir. Yep. We're trying to trick you. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine and I went to a blockbuster one time. Uh, we were going to rent uh, uh, a couple of movies and some games. We were spending the weekend, so we were going to you know, rent some stuff to do and watch. We go, we go get our stuff, and of course, you remember the, the games were always kept up behind the, the counter. Oh. Yeah. We went to a fancy place. Yeah. Then. So... Okay. So you you give him the the case for the game that you wanted to rent. He had he'd have to walk over to the cabinet under the counter and get the actual game, put it in the case for you. you know, okay. And uh, so we go out, we put our stuff up, and he's we get a couple of games. So he walks over, and when he turns away to walk, my buddy looks at me and goes, "Is that a pentagram?" What a pentagram! It's like the, the necklace that he's wearing. I think he's wearing a pentagram. I'm like, I, I, I think where this is going. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I, I'll look when it pops back up. So the guy comes back and he turns toward us. And his necklace is there, and I look, and I'm like, that's the star of David, you idiot. <laughs> I didn't even try to hide it from the guy. I pointed to it and everything. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, I loved it. It was great. No, I, uh, my video stores are the old school kind, you know, it was still VHS. Oh, yeah. You, you'd have the, the cover copy, and then behind it yep. would be the actual copy yep. grab. Because yeah. the, the, the slip covers had the, the styrofoam inside of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Did those for a long time. And, and back in the day, you had, there was like a, there was like a, a I guess, I don't know if it was a gentleman's agreement or what it was. But, you know, you had movies were in theaters for however long, you uh-huh. know, they were in theaters for their run. And then, like, when they came out on VHS, uh, there was, like, another gentleman's agreement where they would be only available for rent for, like, three months or something before they were available to be purchased. That started because initially VHS was very expensive. Yes, it was. Uh, and it was rental rental places 
would spend the you know seventy bucks for a copy because they could rent it out and make money. Yeah. Whereas consumers weren't willing to pay that much. I think what happened with that it was it wasn't necessarily any kind of agreement. It was just technology got much much cheaper, mm-hmm. and the price for VHS got much much more affordable. <coughs> but there were sometimes still movies where it would be available for rent uh, before you could purchase it. I still remember when. Uh when uh, E.T. came out on VHS to purchase, you know, yep. for, you know, to have, you know, to own. And my mom and dad, they, they bought a copy of it. And uh, it was a big deal. We had a movie, you know, at home that yep. we could watch anytime we wanted. We watched it once. <laughs> we never really watched uh. it again. <laughs> but, yeah, it was yeah, up until that point. There was no, we never... You didn't have movies that were just old. I'm old. No, I love the, the entire history of VHS. is something that fascinates me. Just as a technology, as, as a culture around the technology. Uh, there's a great documentary. Uh, it's called Rewind This. That's basically just about the, the cult of VHS that exists now. Yeah. But it also gets into the sort of the history of, of VHS and how it came to be and, and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, once you get the porn industry behind a piece of technology, yep. it's going to go somewhere. Yep. yep. That's what, that's what the, the, the format wars were won by longer runtime and cheaper to produce, i.e. porn. Yep. Got to do it big, and that's one. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I really need porn to, like, get on this whole VR bandwagon. Because... You know, I, I need them to drive the, the VR tech to, to be better and cheaper and, you know. Actual VR, not just omnidirectional camera? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, that's actual a, VR would be nice. That's one thing uh, uh, I have James Cameron to thank for. He was, he was talking to somebody about VR, and he says, well, a lot of what people call VR now isn't really VR. It's, it's omnidirectional camera. Yeah. Which is not the same thing. I was like, not oh, the same thing. hadn't thought about that before. No, but thank you, James. Yeah, it's still, still taking me to school. Yeah, because 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 when you use the omnidirectional camera, yeah, you can get some really up in your face stuff. But the uh, the the actors or whatever it is has to be right next to the camera. Yeah, because it's, it's your it's your eyes basically. So. Yeah, I need them to get on that because I want, I want better VR. <laughs> Love what's going on right now, but need more VR. Oh, well. I think we got off topic. It happens. It's fine. <laughs> backtrack on us a little bit. Okay. Because I was just thinking about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein again. What was the Frankenstein movie with, um... Shit, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, the guy that played Harvey Dent, didn't he play a, a version of the monster? I, Frankenstein. Yes. Where Frankenstein in modern day fights gargoyles. Yes. God, that was horrible. Yep. <laughs> it was based on a comic or something. Yep. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a dry spell for a lot of those uh, old school classic Universal characters. We had uh, I Frankenstein bomb. I think we had two different Wolfman movies bomb. The Beast of the Toro one bombed. Uh, it's just not a terrible movie. It's just nothing great. See, I'm, I'm not a fan of most anything that has to do with uh, werewolves and stuff, which is why I didn't, I didn't care for the Underworld series of movies, because I just don't care for werewolves. I love the world that Underworld built. I'm not necessarily a fan of all the stories. For me, the problem with Underworld was uh, uh, Kate Beckinsale. Not that she's anything wrong, but she was cool in the first movie, but in the first movie, you introduced this lore of a hybrid werewolf vampire. To me, that's more interesting. That's something I haven't seen before. I've seen, especially at that point in the early 2000s, I've seen black leather-clad badass ladies kicking ass with, you know, dual-wielding guns. I've seen that all over the place. I lived in the 90s. I've been there, done that. Uh, but the, the lore of vampires and werewolves coming from one strain of an immortal and, and diverging from that, but this guy's got the pure blood so we can go either way and he gets fused into like that was interesting but we dumped that entire storyline after the second movie and we, we just keep following it's, well the third one was a prequel uh, which you can ignore it's god awful and then the fourth one and I still don't think I've seen the fifth one uh, completely dropped that character altogether yeah. and, and follow Celine which again not that Kate Beckinsale's bad but her character to me was the least interesting part of those movies. Now, you, you've seen uh, uh, vampire werewolf hybrids before. The real Ghostbusters did it. Yes, no one comes to Lupusville. No one comes to Lupusville. Love that episode. <laughs> Why are we running away? What happens if you get bit by a vampire? You turn into a vampire. What happens if you get bit by a werewolf? You turn into a werewolf. And. <laughs> They're now fighting and fighting each other. Uh, that was good. They also introduced something I loved in Underworld, which was the uh, UV tracer ammo to kill vampires. Which sounded like the coolest, most visually interesting way to kill a vampire, and we only ever used it in like the first movie, and then never bring it up again. Never like, bring it up. Guys, come on. That's it. It's a one-shot wonder. Started going back and uh, 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 putting purple muzzle flashes on all of your <laughs> guns and making UV like that. That just sounded so cool. So I love the Blade movies, too, because the Blade movies come up with lots of cool, interesting ways to kill vampires. Blades where they actually had UV lights like attached to the weapons. That is the second blade movie. Yeah. Which is, and I've said this before, we'll say it again, Blade 2 is the greatest movie of all time. Eh. Of all time. Eh. Undisputed fact, it's the best movie ever made. Eh. Sorry. <coughs> Because that also introduces new stuff to the vampire lore, the whole the Reaper strain of vampires, which is very much a prototype for uh, Guillermo del Toro's vampires in 
the Strain trilogy. Okay. Which is a great trilogy of books if you haven't read it. It was turned into a TV show, which is okay. Um, the Strain is basically vampires conspiring to take over the world, uh, and the plan works. It's the very, 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 very Cliff Notes version of that story. It's, it's awesome, but the, the way vampires operate in that world is very much uh, the Reapers from Blade 2. See, that's one thing with um, uh, my wife really liked the uh, 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 shit, the Spark of the Vampires. You know, Twilight. Yeah, she liked the Twilight books. And she liked the Twilight movies and everything. And at one point, you know, she was watching in the movies and, and everything and I was sitting there and I watched a little bit of them. And uh, I, I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, so they're vampires, right? Yeah. And sunlight doesn't kill them, right? No. Just makes them sparkle. Yeah. Why aren't they ruling the world? Yep. Uh, I don't get it. I mean, you... you... And, and don't forget that in that world, vampires... In addition to being a vampire, all get an extra superpower. Not all of them, but the main the characters yeah. that we follow. Yeah, the ones yeah. that matter all get extra yeah. superpowers. Yeah, they get, each one gets an extra ability. But yeah, um, you know, and I'm, but I'm like, you know, why aren't they, you know, ruling the world? You're taking away their greatest weakness. You, the the, 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 the thing that leveled the playing field. You know. Yep. Um, they outclass humans in every other respect. Now there's nothing to keep them in check. And of course, in the storyline, like, well, the, the, the council, whatever it is, the ruling council won't, won't let them, they have rules. I can't know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Oh, oh well. Well, you should definitely, uh, the books are fantastic. Uh, it's the strain, the fall. Oh, uh, that's uh, Twilight. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Let me be very clear. Fuck Twilight and everything to do with it. The books of the Strain trilogy by Guillermo del Toro and I think Chuck Dixon is his co-author. I could be wrong on that. Uh, it's the Strain, the Fall, and the Night Eternal. It was turned or adapted into a series for FX just called The Strain, which works its way through all three books, more or less. Um, I remember the series. I've never seen it. The, the series is pretty good. Uh, I still haven't finished watching it because it, it starts to deviate a bit from the books and it went off into a territory I don't give a shit about. But the books are really good, uh, especially the first two. The first one is a bit of a slow burn. The first one, you kind of have to forget that you know vampires are going to be in it. Because it starts out very CSI. Mm. Like this plane lands and they, they lose communication with the plane and they can't get a hold of anybody and they go look in the plane and all the passengers are there but they're all passed out. So it's just like, they call it a CDC and they kind of try to figure out like, you know, is there a gas leak? Is this an attack? And what's going on? And it kind of slowly unfolds like a mystery. Uh, and it takes about half the book to finally get to the, oh shit, they're vampires. Um, so you kind of have to forget that. Okay. Which would be easier if the back cover didn't say uh, the best vampire novel since Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
as it kind of gives it away. Uh, but get past that slow burn. Uh, the, the, the second and third after the first book are great. The entire second book is fantastic. I'm a slow reader, and I burned through that book in a week. Uh, I might have to check that out. Yeah, though. they're great. Yeah, I'm, I'm still reading uh, the, uh, 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 the the Iridium story uh, by, by John Bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually just picked up... Uh, uh, we were soldiers once and young, uh, by, uh, Joe Galloway and, uh, uh, retired U.S. General Hal Moore. So yeah. Just start reading that at some point. Good movie. Very good movie. One of my favorite, I guess you could call it, war films. I mean, I guess it's a war film. How is it not a war film? Yeah, I really think it's about the dichotomy of man. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> with that, <laughs> thank you all for riding shotgun with us, for sticking with us this far. Uh, let us know what is your ultimate drive-in double feature. Uh, what did we miss and overlook? Uh, and we'll catch you next week.